Ouch! Uh, what happened, Michael? I, I heard just, your exclamation of pain. I just got stung by a bee, and now there's a stinger in me. Oh, no. Well, I don't know how to treat it, so goodbye, I guess. Just suck the venom out. That's not how that works at it, all. It stung my penis. <laughs> First of all, no one grabs their arm and says, Oh, no, it stuck my penis. <laughs> why can't I speak? Oh, I wait. I know why. It's because of this delicious cider that I'm drinking by Union Hill. This episode is not brought to you by Union Hill Cider. What a weird way to get around to this. <laughs> on an, on another note, <laughs> this podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. So, Like penis. Penis is a medical term, Brian. This is true. So I guess so, it doesn't need to be censored. That's not explicit. We can say penis as much as we want. I suppose so. But anyway. Yeah, the future stuff might have to get bleeped out because yes. it's definitely worse than a penis. And here's some of that stuff. It's John frickin' Malkovich. John frickin' Malkovich. Malkovich? Malkovich? Malkovich. 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 Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich? Malkovich, 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 Malkovich. Malkovich! The what the fness in this movie is off the charts. Wow. Wow, indeed. That was a lot of stuff that was not penis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you noticed that detail specifically, Michael. So, for anyone that is offended easily by anything that's not a penis? By anything that's not a penis. <laughs> Stop listening now. <laughs> now on with the show. <laughs> that might be the best one that we've ever done. Hello. Welcome to the Mostly Movies podcast. This is a podcast mm -hmm. where we talk about TV shows, video games, and John Malkovich's smooth, smooth head. You know, normally you don't actually connect it with the movie that we're going to watch. But, but I... mostly movies. My name is Michael. And I'm Brian. And tonight's movie is Being John Malkovich. And it is a 1999 American fantasy That's comedy a weird drama. Movie is what it is. Directed by Spike Jones and written by Charlie Kaufman. Oh, so they're the reason this monstrosity exists. Uh, the film stars John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, and Catherine Keener with John Malkovich and Charlie Sheen as themselves. Very weird. But first, before we get into any of that, Michael, we have to do our catch-up segment. That's true. So, Brian, what have you been doing these past two weeks? Actually, I've been doing only one thing in the world of TV, comics, oh, video games, okay. which is playing No Man's Sky. Interesting. No, okay. it's not. It's <laughs> To anyone else, it's probably one of the more boring games out there in the world. Yeah, but I, I still love it. I, I don't know why... But there is something about it that I, I continually come back to it just every so often. I mean, it's not like an often thing that I do. It's just, you know, it, it happens and I'm stuck on it for a few months and then I can go back to my normal life. But it's fun. I enjoy it. And so being someone who's repping No Man's Sky, do you have mm -hmm. any like insights that could like convince people that they should give it a try just in case they're someone just like you? Well, that does depend on where they're coming from because... I mean, I, I'm sure you remember when it first came out, it did not have the greatest reputation in yeah, the world. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah, it was one of the most biggest disappointments in all of video game history at that point. Mm -hmm. Well, I shouldn't say that, but it was definitely a highlight. E.T., the there, video game. There, there is that, yeah. Well, I don't know if that was a disappointment. It's just a bad game. It's just garbage. Yeah, th this one was Literally. hyped up so much, and then it was promised to be so much. and So, yes, it didn't have the greatest reputation whatever it's since gotten a lot better they've pushed out some free updates that have made it more what they had originally promised it was and it's it's now a serviceable game it's not the greatest game by any stretch but it's certainly playable and fun for someone who enjoys just exploring space imagine uh essentially an episode of uh, star trek star trek had a story though this one actually does have a story now. It's oh, it does? Just, it's very optional. Like, you do not have to follow it at all, and you can still get to the end of the game, which is a weird way to make a game. I agree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but there, there's a few very existential crisis kind of storylines in here where there's, like, some guy, we think he died, but we're not really sure, and he's somehow contacting us from the afterlife, we think, and 
uh, were trying to help him get out, and then... He's saying, don't cremate me! No, not quite, but... Uh, no? You remember that? No. Yeah, but it's the same general gist. <laughs> He's basically begging us to not give up on him being dead. And uh, I just recently put him into like a little... They call it a mind arc. It's some sort of technological thing. And we then uploaded his like a copy of his consciousness into a simulation just so he can be alive to some degree hmm. but i had the option to just kill him so like johnny depp basically explain? johnny depp isn't it please no, explain. i'm not gonna explain it no please i'm explain. gonna move on actually okay yes anyways fun game whatever <laughs> what, what did you do well i didn't really have any ideas of what i was going to talk about in the catch-up segment mm -hmm. until yesterday afternoon oh right when I got hooked on a show that I've been watching for a while, but I just binged a whole bunch of it. And that is season two of The Good Place, starring Kristen Bell and... I don't know anyone else in that show, so don't, don't ask. Why am I spacing on his name? Do you want to look up the cast real quick? No, he's Sam from Cheers. Ted Danson. You know, I've he's actually never it. really seen Cheers. Anyway... This show is just super well-written and really funny and really intriguing, and I love it. And I just found out that the final season, season four, will have already started by the time this episode airs, so I'll definitely be watching that. Uh, that's my what I'm going to be talking about for the next catch-up segment, I Oh, guess. okay. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I'd recommend that to anybody out there who hasn't watched that. Definitely check it out. I, I second that because I was I was there with you. Yes, yeah, true. And I I mean I jumped into it from season not... five of episode two. I mean the other way around. Yeah, Reverse season it. two, episode five. Exactly. Yeah, I had not seen any previousness, and now I'm kind of interested. Anyway, moving on to the actual movie because we need to. There's so much to talk about. Let's talk about Bean John Malkovich. Indeed. Hold on. Let me get my notes. Uh... And we will start with a plot synopsis, shall uh... we? Yes. Okay. So, what's his Off name? Off the top of your yes. <laughs> nope, nope. Just do nope. what's his name. I need name? to remember his name. Nope. Craig. Craig. Just go with Craig. His name. Craig Schwartz. Craig Schwartz, yes. Uh, he's played by John Cusack, and he's a puppeteer. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's very passionate about his art, and he just wants to be able to do that for a living. But he can't make it as a puppeteer and make money so he gets a boring office job in a tiny 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 little office mm -hmm. literally a tiny little office half a floor and there's a lot of um drama between characters he's married but there's this woman in the office that he falls in love with speed this up man <laughs> yeah i'm only like i'm like 20 minutes in anyway the plot really picks up when he finds a door, a little baby door in his office that puts him in the body of John Malkovich and just a lot of zaniness and crazy existential stuff happens. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> that is the movie. <laughs> that it is. So then, what about the critic and audience reviews? Ah, the critic and audience reviews. Or do you want reviews? the box office first? Let's do the box office first. Okay. So this movie had a budget of $13 million. Okay. How much do you think it ended up grossing? I'm going to guess not a lot. So, I don't know, double that. 26. That's close. That's the closest you've been. Really? It grossed a total of $32.4 million. Okay, so just barely made its money back after marketing? I would say for a movie like this, it was fairly successful. Okay, cool. Um, It's no blockbuster, but it wasn't created to be... A blockbuster. So. What do you suppose this was created to be, Michael? It was created to be a surreal mind trip from the mind of Charlie Kaufman. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I wasn't expecting a real answer, I guess. Uh, continue. <laughs> uh, okay. Give us the critic and audience reviews then. All right. So on Rotten Tomatoes, mm -hmm. the film holds an approval rating of, guess? I don't know, 60%. 93% based on 131 reviews and an average rating of 8.12 out of 10. Okay, wait, wait. Is this critic or audience? Critic. Th this is critics? Yes. The critics thought this was great. Yes. The okay. consensus reads, Being John Malkovich is both funny and smart, featuring a highly original script. And on Metacritic, it has that? a score of 90 out of 100 based on 36 reviews, indicating universal acclaim. <laughs> okay. How about how about the audience? 
uh, audience. I don't see anything from audiences. Let me just jump to Rotten Tomatoes real quick. So basically, there's no cinema score on on this. They did not because really it go got released in theaters before cinema score existed. But oh. on Rotten Tomatoes, it holds an audience score of eighty-seven percent. Really? So that's pretty like pretty high as I, well. I must admit, my first instinct is I'm very surprised. Really? Yes. <laughs> well, that's that's the way that the cookie crumbled, Brian. I guess so. A really weird cookie. <laughs> that's so many raisins. Raisins so, or yeah. raisins? Raisins. Oh, raisins in your cookie. That's, that's oh, weird. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. All right. <clears throat> well, the next thing that we need to address is our history with this movie. Right. Have you seen it before? I had not seen. Neither this have movie I. Before. Do you have any experience with Charlie Kaufman prior to this? Probably not. He was the screenwriter. Uh, what else do you, did he do? That's off the top of your head. Don't look it up. Just the ones that I've seen. He also wrote the script for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Didn't see it. Adaptation. Didn't see it, but want to. And Anomalisa. Didn't see it. Okay, so no, you haven't. <laughs> nope. <laughs> at least you're familiar with his work, at least. So you maybe kind of knew what you were getting into? I knew exactly what I was getting into, and this okay. is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> but I think this was even funnier than I expected it to be. You were definitely giggling at some weird moments that took me by <laughs> surprise. That's for damn sure. This guy, he knows how to write a complex narrative and make it easy to understand, I guess. Okay, next up, the actors. Ah, yeah, yeah let's go through the actors. Yes, and just do the main ones. We don't need to go through everyone. Okay, we'll start with Craig Schwartz. He was played by John Cusack. John Cusack, yes. Uh, I mean, I definitely believed his greasy nature, I guess. Mm -hmm. His down on his luck, just weird hair kind of guy. <laughs> so both him and Cameron Diaz, they both kind of have this look that's Cameron sort of Diaz? just like... Yeah, Cameron Diaz, she was Lottie, his wife. I did not recognize her exactly at all. Because this is kind of a staple of Charlie Kaufman movies where everybody, it's it's very non-Hollywood. They kind of drab everybody down so they're more... Relatable. Real. Both this one and Adaptation. Adaptation has like Nicolas Cage, but he's like balding and he's overweight and like all of this stuff. Anyway, both the way the characters look and the cinematography of this movie both just kind of have a very drab appearance to them. I see. I just wanted to bring that up. But as far as John Cusack went, I thought that he did really, really well. In fact, probably 30 minutes in, I forgot that I was watching John Cusack. Sure, yeah. Let, let, let's speed this up a bit, though, because we're, we're going to need a whole lot more time for the movie. Okay. Good, bad fine all right let's, let's keep it to that so cameron diaz good i guess good Catherine I, keener she was, was maxine good hot Sh sure <laughs> john malkovich <laughs> great phenomenal <laughs> amazing <laughs> any adjective that means good that was him uh and th we'll throw in charlie sheen because that's why we're watching the movie oh right uh fine as himself yeah, yeah he was whatever he was okay yep. it was just more of a cameo Okay, next up. We Let's... need the beginning scene of this movie. Yeah, how does this movie start, Brian? <laughs> Let me find my notes. Because <laughs> uh, this is quite the blur. It starts off with a puppet stage play. Yes, puppet show. Yes, as if it were like a opera almost. It's like an interpretive dance. With puppets. Mm -hmm. And there's no sound. It's like all orchestra. Yeah, it was weird. I, I, I'll go ahead and make this note right off the top, though. The puppetry in this, really good. Yeah, like, I don't think it was real puppetry. I think it was stop-motion animation. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, then they did a fantastic job because I yeah. did not notice. I, I legit thought that that was, wow, that's the best puppetry I've ever seen. <laughs> well, the reason that I think that is because the movie Anomalisa yeah. was entirely stop-motion animation. Oh, okay. So it so makes you, me think that Charlie yeah. Kaufman just really likes stop motion animation. Right, yeah. I guess that would make sense then, sure. Okay, so this, yeah, what yeah. is it set up for, for the movie? This sets just up he's the, a puppeteer yeah, and he's an artist. Yeah, that he's a good one too, but mm -hmm. he's, you know, he's a puppet 
freaking tear. There's no, there's no place in the world for puppeteers these days. Yeah, unless you're willing to build a giant, giant woman over an overpass and puppet her. Oh right? yeah, that TV thing that happened. That was weird. <laughs> uh, that kind of sets up that he is very angsty. That he just wants to give his art to the world, but the world doesn't want to see it. Yeah, I guess. Actually, this scene then bleeds over into showing his wife. Uh, what's her name? Lottie? Yes. Who played by Cameron Diaz. Is, I guess, uh, an... I, I don't know what job she has. Me but either. she... Her hobby, I guess, is taking care of animals? Yeah, she has a lot of weird pets. She's got a chimp. She's got some sort of bird that can learn how to speak English. Yeah, an iguana. An iguana. And there was a ferret, I think, mentioned. Yeah. We don't ever see that one. There was something else. Yeah. And this... Oh, there was a dog, too, but... Yeah, and a dog. But all, all of this really serves no purpose on the rest of the movie it's just there to be weird it seems yeah it's really just to set up that they're both super weird people <laughs> and this is just going to be a really weird movie yeah it... <laughs> okay so the movie starts with john cusack being jobless and cameron diaz recommends that he go and get a job a real job so he goes downtown to this office where he has a job interview. It basically just goes right to that. Pretty much. He gets in the elevator, and this other woman comes in, and she says... Seven and a half floor? I'll, yeah. I'll walk you through it. <laughs> so she hits the the floor, like the ninth floor or something. She right? hits 11 initially. Right. But she just waits for seven and eight to show up, and she presses the emergency stop right as seven blips out, and eight starts to try and come in. Yeah. And then it she stops. She takes a crowbar, friggin' jimmies it open, and then there's a little tiny floor between the seventh and eighth floor. Yeah, like you gotta crouch to even exist in there. Yeah. It's gotta be terrible on your back. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't understand how nobody's complaining of back pain during this entire film. Mm. Like, nobody ever mentions it, really. <laughs> it's just a normal thing. Actually, come to think of it, it pain saves money. isn't usually mentioned in this movie. It's the cheapest rent in the whole building. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay, so he goes in to By the way, the quick side note to our listeners. We might have to go back to our original setup, which is to explain everything in this movie, because there's so freaking much. There's so much good stuff that I want to talk about in this. I don't know about good, but there is certainly a lot. <laughs> I love this moment. He goes in to the receptionist at this building, and she just, like, mishears everything that he says. Like everything, this not a single was word really was correctly translated to her ear holes. There was a, there was, so first she mispronounces his name and then he sits down and she calls his name when his, his number comes up or whatever well, for his appointment. what she thinks his name is anyway. Yeah. And then he says, yes. And she says, chest. And he says, I said, yes. She says, you suggest what? <laughs> I thought that was funny. I like plays on words that always gets to me. So Apparently. And then they play off that even more when he goes into the office and the boss is like all down. Uh, and he's he's like really appreciative that uh, John Cusack isn't making fun of his speech impediment. Or even he though can he actually doesn't understand. have a speech impediment at all. It's just because that freaking secretary thinks that everyone has a speech impediment. But she has a master's degree in speech therapy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird. <laughs> How'd they let her get away with that? I do not know. Yeah, that was really funny, too. Okay, uh, so he goes throughout his day, right? Sort of. <clears throat> he ends up meeting this uh, Well, hold woman. on, there's orientation. Oh, yes. Is there anything from the orientation video you want to bring up? Uh, how about frickin' all of it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where you want to start? Uh, how about the frickin' beginning of the orientation where they go through the frickin' weird mythological nonsense of some pioneer guy showing up to this place and being like, I want to build an office building. I'm from Victorian era for some reason, and I'm going to build half a floor for my midget soon-to-be wife. I loved this. Um, specifically, I wrote this down. I don't know if it's verbatim, but uh, so it's the building is called the Merton and Flimmer building. <laughs> oh, yeah, this and uh, the the legend goes that Captain James Merton had that building built, and he named it after himself, and someone else who legend had it was named Flimmer. 
<laughs> There's going to be just a lot of laughter in this, I think. Well, I don't know about, I don't know about laughs, just these weird, nervous chuckles. <laughs> And yeah, this that, is yeah, also those. when I wrote down, this movie is way funnier than I expected it to be. Really? I expected it to be a mind trip, but I didn't expect the writing to be, like, intentionally funny. Also, what era is this supposed to be in? Uh, When it takes place, I assume. The 90s. 1999. That didn't feel like Since the 90s. Since John Malkovich is John Malkovich, and he's the age of John Malkovich. And Wait, looks like when John did this com- movie come out? 99. Really? Yeah. I thought for sure this was slightly more modern and it was making fun of the eight or the nineties ish era. So this is the twenty year anniversary of being John Malkovich. Oh it is. Yeah. Weird. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh he meets this this woman, this very attractive woman. This is the oh, yeah, one yeah. person that they that they don't kind of drab up in this movie and they make her very appealing looking. Yes, Maxine. Actually. I mean, she's a very attractive woman, like, any day of the week, but... So, he meets her, he basically falls in love with her immediately, right? Yeah, I was actually surprised how this whole set of interactions with her initially goes down, because, you know, over the course of the, I presume, only a few days, he's kind of upfront about how he wants to do this. He doesn't lie that he's married. Mm -hmm. He's very forward Okay, everybody is super forward in this entire movie. Yeah, they are. Just everybody is really blunt. Like, I'm not comfortable saying a lot of the things. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've dropped the too. F-bomb before on this show. Every yeah. every time I have to curse on this sh- I have to curse. Every time I do curse <laughs> on this show, there's always that little, I don't know how to explain this, because I didn't grow up cursing. I had to kind of learn that. <laughs> From me? Not necessarily from you, but like every time I'm about to curse, there's like this little spike in my head. It's like, it's a, don't ah! do it. <laughs> kind of. That's okay. You don't have to curse. Well, it's, uh, what I'm getting at is it's not a natural thing for me, but I feel like sometimes I have to use it in order to accurately portray what the fuck is going on here. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it's just. What? The what the fuckness in this movie is off the charts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So I want to talk about this scene where. Craig is talking to his boss, and his boss is going off about all of the things that he'd like to do to Maxine, the very attractive woman. No, no, no. It's, oh, no. It's the secretary. Yeah, yeah. The, the one that mishears everything. Yes. He would love to do all kinds of stuff to her, and Craig says, well, you know, maybe the office isn't like, the most appropriate place to talk about this kind of stuff. And he's like, oh, you're right. Meet me at this juice bar after work, and I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you all of the little details about it. <laughs> And I love this scene where he's on the phone. He calls his wife saying he's going to be home late. And he says, yeah, I have to go listen to Lester's sexual fantasies and drink some carrot juice for a while. <laughs> Again, very honest guy. It, I don't know how I would have put that if I had to explain that to somebody. Yeah, you just say it exactly like that. I That's guess. exactly what's going to go on. Yeah. Well, kind of, because then right after that, he runs into Maxine and he makes a deal with her. Yeah, if, with, if I can guess your name in uh, like three tries, yeah, then uh, I get to buy you a drink or something. Mm-hmm. And he just sits there and just like kind of makes some vowel noises <laughs> for freaking 35 seconds. <laughs> and it like zooms in on his mouth while he's doing this. And you can see the confusion on her face. And when he finally gets to them, then she like brightens up. Yeah. Maxine or Max. What what is Maxine? Yeah. He says that. How did you know? Who told you? Nothing. I just said it right now. (laughs) How much of a coincidence is that? (laughs) That scene was hilarious. I was laughing throughout like that entire 35 seconds. Oh, this whole movie was such a cringe show. (laughs) A cringe show? I cringed the entire time. Ah, uh, you know, that's yeah, not I the did. proper word to describe it. It, it, it was for me, no. sir. Yeah, nah. yeah, I felt very uncomfortable for this entire film. Okay, yep. maybe this puppet fantasy scene, the <laughs> Maxine. Because <laughs> Maxine shuts him down at the bar, so he decides oh, to yeah. go home. I, I like that line, too. He's like, so tell me a little about yourself. Well, I'm a puppeteer. Check, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that didn't take her any time at all. No. <laughs> like, nope. Uh-uh. Nothing. Want nothing to do with you. Anyway, he goes home. He makes a puppet of her, and he sort of acts out his fantasy situation of how this would go down. He explains why he loves puppeting so much, and she's just super turned on by it. And they end up... In the puppet show, mind you. Yeah. And in the puppet show only. Yes, because then the very next day, he says the exact same thing to her, and she reacts completely differently. Oh, yes. Super different. But then he finds, finally... Freaking 27 minutes, 45 seconds into the movie. The secret door! A tiny door in a tiny office. It's like half the size of already the half floor that exists. Yes. So you have to get on your hands and knees and... And just crawl. Yeah. Right in. I I think he he drops a file behind a cabinet or something. And And he moves the cabinet and there's the door. Well, there's like a plank or something hiding it and then there's the door. Mm -hmm. So it's clearly hidden for a reason. Yeah, somebody took the time to cover it up yeah it's super weird sorry i'm diverting burps now oh okay (laughs) anyway so he finds this tiny door he goes into the door because he's curious whatever and he's got like a piece of wood that he kind of like pulled off the side or whatever to kind of like hit the walls around to try and figure out where he's going because it's dark in there and then the door shuts behind him and like swoops him forward and he's like, ah! like turns into a slide right he, something like a pneumatic tube or something yeah. like that and then it just he he sees someone else's hands they're, they're eating dinner or something well, breakfast was it yeah was wasn't it, it a oh, cereal oh maybe it was yeah he was reading like the new york times or something oh yeah he the was. wall street journal that's that was it and he's just kind of doing his daily routine and then looks in the mirror and lo and behold it's john freaking malkovich john freaking malkovich and what? and then it spits him out by the freeway. <laughs> no warning. I Just like this bit, he... though, during this initial, when he's in John Malkovich's body, when he's in the cab, and this cab driver is like, oh. Oh, I love that movie that you were in with the where you played the jewel thief. I like, was never played a jewel thief, actually. Oh. No, that, that was you. I remember it being you. And then he gets spit out on the New Jersey Turnpike. Which, by the way, looks like it's about a 10-foot fall. <laughs> if if not more. Yeah, how is he okay? I mean, I guess it's only 10 feet, but at the same time, if you're not expecting it and you land on your freaking head like it looked like he did, <laughs> that would hurt. It's grass. Oh, and yeah, also, sure, yeah. Also, rocks. it's magic, so... Yeah, I don't think the magic uh, really kicks in afterward. <laughs> Well, yeah, but you're getting spit out of another dimension. So who's to say how the laws of physics affect when you're being spit out of another dimension? Well, presumably gravity is in effect now, and you're hitting the uh, the ground. Yeah, but maybe on a slope. you're kind of like gently being eased into that, that dimension. That did not until look gentle. Right there was before. a thud. That's because it's funnier that way. <laughs> they roll every time. Every time somebody got spit out off the side of the highway, I laughed. Like, audibly. It, it looked violent. It looked like they should have broken an ankle every time. <laughs> or a wrist, or a neck, or something. Okay, so as soon as this is over, he runs back to the office, and he just has to tell Maxine about what he experienced. And obviously, Maxine doesn't believe him. Mm-hmm. And she, I, th- there's a conversation here that I, I do enjoy. Uh, Craig says something along the lines of, I don't, I don't see how I can go on living my life the way I've been living it. And then Maxine just kind of points to the window. <laughs> like, well, then by all means, and just jump out. Go go for it. Kind of gesture. I didn't even notice that. You, you had just looked down to make notes, and I was like, I got to make a note now, so Michael doesn't miss out on this. I just love hearing him explain this, exactly what happens. Yeah, he's, uh, admittedly, I wouldn't believe him either. I mean, who would, really? Yeah, exactly. It sounds ridiculous. So what happens next, Michael? Well, let's uh, let's rush through this. Let's speed this up a little bit. So things start to get really complicated oh, really fast. yes, they do. I'll say. Because his wife finds out. Yeah, he tells his wife. His wife really, really wants to do it. Lottie. She goes inside John Malkovich and then almost immediately realizes that she is a man on the inside. She just really feels like she should be a man. Or rather, right. specifically, specifically John Malkovich, John Malkovich. Yeah. <laughs> and then Maxine ends up calling John Malkovich. They set up a date, and then as John Malkovich, Lottie goes on a date 
with Maxine, falls in love with Maxine, and Maxine falls in love with her, but only when she's in John Malkovich's body. Yes, but don't forget the extra part of the parallelogram of love here where uh, Craig is also in love with With Maxine. Maxine. Yes, but Maxine is not in love with Craig. You keeping up, listeners? Because <laughs> it took us a while <laughs> to figure this stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Craig gets incredibly jealous because his wife Lottie and his wannabe lover Maxine start having an affair through the body of John Malkovich. Yes. And, and this is not a secret to him, by the way. No, they're very blunt and open about this. Yes, there's a there's a scene where Maxine gets invited over for dinner, and then both Lottie and Craig both jump Maxine to try and just... Start a threesome? Their, yeah, not even a threesome. I'm pretty sure they were trying to steal her away from the other. <laughs> and she's just very upfront like, Craig, I do not find you attractive. Lottie, on the other hand, but find... only when you're John Malkovich. Yes. I, I think she explains it later. Is she enjoys the feeling of two different people looking at you with lust, mm-hmm. uh, with well the same eyes. Well, through the same eyes. Yeah. Yeah. At, at first, I thought she was just manipulating them, right? Because they make a business out of this, mm-hmm. where they bring in people so that they can try out being John Malkovich for about 15 minutes. And I thought she was just trying to make the wife, Lottie, an addict of being John Malkovich to make sure she would be a reoccurring customer. Because mm. that's really what it seemed like it was at first she does come off as a very manipulative person just evil in general yeah Yeah. (laughs) but very attractive so craig super super jealous craig uh ends up holding his wife lottie at gunpoint and forcing her to call maxine and set up a date for them to have sex as john malkovich but he locks lottie in a cage with a monkey and then he goes and has sex with uh maxine as, as john, john malkovich, malkovich yeah. and he discovers that if he thinks really really hard then he can move john malkovich's body and speak through his mouth yes it's explained away as since he's a puppeteer he kind of knows the gist on how to do this whatever so by this scene then craig is having sex with maxine as john malkovich but Maxine thinks that she's having sex with John Malkovich, but with Lottie inside John Malkovich's body. Correct. Cool. Just making sure I got that right. Yep. And immediately after this, John Malkovich freaks out because somebody else is controlling him. He figure, he he can tell that somebody else is controlling him when words come out of his mouth that yes. he was not thinking. And so he calls over his best buddy as a confidant. Freaking... Oh, Charlie Sheen? Yeah, freaking Charlie Sheen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The reason we're watching this movie. That's right. He's in like a scene and a half in this movie, and he plays Charlie Sheen. Yeah. And he's just like, damn, that sounds pretty hot, dude. (laughs) Uh, So then he follows. He decides to follow Maxine, right? John Malkovich, that is. Yes, not Charlie Sheen. Yeah. John Malkovich. And this is when shit hits the fan. Multiple fans, I would say. This is when it gets very Charlie Kaufman-y, I'll say. Sure. I don't know. Uh, So John Malkovich follows Maxine to their office where everybody is lining up to become John Malkovich. Yeah, and he finds out about the shenanigans and demands to try it out. Yeah, so he goes inside and (laughs) the scene that ensues (laughs) can only be described with one word. Malkovich? Malkovich. <laughs> because everybody is John Malkovich and now. And everything. Not a single thing isn't John Malkovich. <laughs> every person, every word, every written word, everything is, is freaking John Malkovich. Every Everybody has John Malkovich's face for some reason. All the words on the menu for some reason he's just, at dinner. Just say Malkovich. Yeah, it's... <laughs> So he freaks out and runs out of the restaurant, gets spit out onto the... You just get spit right out of the, the portal into the turnpike. And then he has right a, next to the a, a perfect John Malkovich freakout moment where he yells at, uh, at Craig. 
and he says, it's my portal and I want it sealed forever for the love of God. (laughs) (laughs) You having fun, Brian? I don't know how to feel actually right now, Michael. (laughs) Reality is broken for me at this moment. Well, do you want to do you want to slow it down? Do you want to get some time to gather your thoughts or do you want to uh, continue? I want this over and done next? with. You so do. Let's, yeah, hurry it up. <laughs> okay. So um That's not hurrying, Michael. That's stalling. <laughs> okay, so Craig So what happens next is an introspective moment for Craig. Yes, where he realizes that he's gone a little bit off the rails. Or has he? He's sitting in his apartment and his, both his wife and his monkey are locked in the same cage. Yes, and he, quote unquote, has a heart to heart with his wife. I'm like, mm-hmm. what have I become? I, I can't, um, I can't understand why I've done any of this. Promptly, of course, just to trick her into calling him, Maxine again. Yeah, so that he can go off and have sex with her, being John Malkovich. But then, when Lottie is alone in the apartment trying to escape her bonds. Oh yeah, we have a monkey flashback. <laughs> This monkey gets like a whole character arc within <laughs> the span of a minute and a half. <laughs> he flashes back to the jungle when there's poachers that are capturing he and his family. And he's trying to save his parents, but they're all tied up. And he is not able to untie their bonds before he's captured. But now is his chance at redemption. <laughs> and he reaches over to Lottie, who's tied up in the cage, and he is able to untie her bonds, thus fulfilling the full character arc that this chimp has. By the way, I don't ever think we see this monkey again. I don't think so. (laughs) Not after this scene. (laughs) This reminded me of something that would have been in Rick and Morty. (laughs) Yeah, actually, now that you mention that, it's very Rick and Morty. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Yes, moving on. Now Lottie is able to warn Maxine that it's not her in John Malkovich whenever they meet up. It's Craig. Mm-hmm. And, and then, Maxine is like, oh, really? This is when things get even more confusing. Yeah, because then she rejects Lottie. She switches over to Craig's side because Craig can control John Malkovich and she can control Craig, which means money, I guess. Money, power, fame, fortune, blah, blah. A lot of that is repetitive. The point is she's a manipulative shrew yes let's use good, that word that's instead. a good word <laughs> it's a better word than the one you were thinking of it was you misogynist ass you know what for this moment i will concede that i was <laughs> is shrew offensive though too i don't know certainly better than the other one <laughs> what's the next scene michael oh this scene this scene was great so maxine shows up at john malkovich's apartment And John Malkovich is super mad at Maxine for capitalizing on the portal that lets people into his brain and live vicariously through him. By the way, why haven't the police shown up by now to just shut down that whole place? You'd think he would have called someone by now. Even if the police don't believe him about that story, he's John frickin' Malkovich. He can probably get some people over there to at least investigate. You're probably right. So why didn't yeah, why didn't he do that is what I'm anyway i don't know but it doesn't matter because this is the moment where craig starts to completely take over john malkovich's body and the acting that john malkovich does in this scene is academy award worthy it's amazing it is very strange how it's a subtle difference Mm -hmm. but you do notice his mannerisms change when he's craig he's a lot more uh reserved meek yes that's a better word and then every now and then he'll have an outburst as actual john malkovich freaking out about craig (laughs) taking over his body No. (laughs) (laughs) this scene might be my favorite well no the all the malkoviches might be my absolute favorite but this was a really really good scene too oh where where they're on the table yeah (laughs) i don't remember exactly what craig says after he has the outburst but He's just like, I don't think it's shut him. up, you overrated swine, or, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Dirt bag. I think it's old. It might be. Overrated something. <laughs> old bag. Something, anyway. They have sex again. Yeah. And uh, afterwards, then Maxine convinces Craig that he needs to stay in John Malkovich's body because he can make it as a 
famous puppeteer with the notoriety that John Malkovich already has as an actor. And uh, concurrently to this scene, we also get Lottie, who mm-hmm. is now gone to uh, Lester, Lester, the, the boss of that seven and a half floor in his ginormous mansion, which, by the way, up till this point, I was so confused why he had that big old mansion, because mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. If they're a company that's trying to cut corners, why would they need you know to cut corners if this guy's clearly rich as balls sure (laughs) yeah now we know and also why he has a shrine dedicated to john malkovich oh right yeah we didn't mention that uh but yes so apparently he is actually the explorer pioneer person merton merton who originally built the building because he found a portal there that could put him into someone else's body and it wasn't John Malkovich at that point. It was... It was Lester. Right. Presumably. Yes. And uh, this is where it gets a little confusing because he tries to explain the whole magic part of it, right? He explains that he, you have to jump into the body at a certain point when it is ripe because mm-hmm. if you jump in too soon, you can't stay. Mm-hmm. And if you jump in too late, then you get put into the next vessel, which will just absorb you. Right. And right. then you're just trapped looking from the inside and you don't get to control anything. Yeah. So the the ripe point is 44 years of age. So I thought it was 45. It was 44. Oh, that's right. Because midnight, Definitely. once he turns 45. That's when it was? No, I'm pretty sure it said 44 on the cake. Happy 44th birthday, Malkovich. Oh. Yeah. I saw 45 somewhere, but maybe I'm mistaken. Anyway, the point is it's somewhere in there. And Lester's plan is for him and this whole group of other people are all going to enter the vessel that is John Malkovich at midnight on Malkovich's 44th birthday. Right. right so that they, they can all exist within the same mind. Yeah. So I'm guessing that Lester gets to control the body, but everyone else just gets to be a passenger in it. Like, like the tickets that they were selling, you know, tickets. What? They were selling tickets to be in John Malkovich's body and see oh, through his eyes. Right, right, yeah. I'm assuming that's what everyone else would be doing. I assume. Which is odd because he, he said he was doing this because he didn't want to be lonely, right? Yeah. But do you get to interact with any of the other voices? It's unclear. That's a <laughs> lot of voices otherwise. Yeah, that's true. Like too many. Like there was a good, what, two, three dozen people in that room? There was a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. And, and sure. they offer Lottie the chance to go with them. Yes. And uh, up, you know, it, it... <sighs> sorry, recollecting my thoughts. Because then we have an eight month time, time jump. jump. Yes. And Malkovich at this point has redirected his entire career. Well, okay, Craig as Malkovich has redirected his career towards puppeteering. It gives us this TV special of how Malkovich has brought a a renaissance to the puppeteering industry. Yes. I loved the interviews with the other celebrities who were like, I hope to one day be a puppeteer too. <laughs> He's made it such a, a popular thing. There was that one scene with Brad Pitt. That was kind of funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think they, okay, I think the implication is they were interviewing Brad Pitt and then they just kind of turned the camera to talk to Maxine. Maxine. Yeah. And then they go when she, once she leaves, they go back, back to, Brad, to Pitt, Brad Pitt, and, and he's just looking there, like yeah, he, he's like looking back and forth, like uh, I thought we were talking to me. Well, yeah. Who was what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. That was a good laugh. How much do you think they paid him for that? What two second scene? How much do you think they paid him for Deadpool two? <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I heard it was nothing. By the way. Oh really? He did it for nothing for Deadpool two. I mean. I guess I probably would too, <laughs> just just for the laughs, if nothing else. Okay, so this is like the eve of John Malkovich's forty fourth birthday. Yes. Oh, uh, also, side note: Maxine is pregnant now. Oh yes. yes, like almost due to to pop. Yes. Where do we start? Here? Well, Craig as John Malkovich is doing a life size puppet show ballerina thing, which. I'm also pretty certain was just a person in a puppet suit, by the way, not actual puppeteering. I, I guess that would make sense because otherwise, again, the best puppeteering I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's even possible, <laughs> but he's really enjoying his life. 
Yes, and then he gets home from that show, and he finds that his house has been burgled. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, his wife has been kidnapped. Yes, well, that too. But he, I don't think he realizes that at first, because he, he shows up, the phone's ringing, his house is a mess. He picks up the phone. We have Maxine. Yeah, and it's Lester yes. on the other side, because they have a plan where they need to get Craig to vacate John Malkovich so that they can all enter enter yes him <laughs> it's so weird and they're, they're worried that if they leave him in there when they enter he'll just take over again because he's the most powerful he was yes. able to control john malkovich before he was ready yeah technically so they're like hey you gotta you gotta get out of malkovich so that we can go in there or we're gonna kill your wife yeah and i don't think he intentionally does it but craig calls their bluff mm-hmm. and lester's all depressed by this like oh well, he, he saw through it. What do we do now? And Lottie grabs a frickin' pistol and starts pointing it towards Maxine, who they have. Yeah. And she, Lottie still has feelings for Maxine. And likewise the other way, it seems. And she says, if I can't have you, then nobody can. And she's just about to shoot Maxine. And then Maxine crawls into the portal. The portal, because they're all in the office. We yeah. didn't mention that. And there's a chase that ensues. You would think at this point, Craig, as John Malkovich, would have put some more security measures around the frickin' portal. Because, I I, I mean, I guess... Well, maybe they did. Maybe he wasn't worried about it because he's the most powerful. But anyway, chase ensues because Lottie chases Maxine into Malkovich... But they end up in his subconscious. Yeah, so they see all of his like childhood memories and stuff. It's yeah. all awful. <laughs> it's super trippy, this scene. And the first thing I thought is, damn, this reminds me a lot of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I'm going to have to take your word for it. Because uh... a lot of that movie has to do with like subconscious and memories. Oh, okay. A lot of it takes place inside the mind. So there's a lot of this imagery of where, where like one thing transitions to another but it's all kind of fluid you know like they're busting through windows and they just end up in a completely different memory right of course yeah okay if you liked that scene or like the way that it was paid off i don't know if i liked it but it was certainly interesting yeah so you get more of that in eternal sunshine you should watch it anyway so then they get spit out next to the it just gets spit right out of them what are you quoting <laughs> It's a YouTube video. I'll show you it later. <laughs> I don't know look, if I want to. Everybody, look up "so pitted" on YouTube. I don't want to. You'll 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 see what I'm talking about. No, don't don't want. Anyways, Maxine so anyway, reveals. They just get spit right out of him. Maxine reveals <laughs> to Lottie that the baby the... is hers. <laughs> Break this down for me once more, Michael. So, uh, Lottie had sex with Maxine as John Malkovich. And that is when Maxine got pregnant. So even though it's still technically John Malkovich's sperm, uh, she is saying that Lottie is the father because she was the one who was having who was having sex with her at the time, right? Which I'm not sure if I really buy that because I, I, she can't control John Malkovich. So he was just she was just no, watching as it she happened. She was making love to Lottie, not to John Malkovich. Sure, but because does she it was count? saying Lottie. I don't know if that's enough. Anyway, anyway. they reconcile. Very quickly, yes. Then Craig, as John Malkovich, he gets super, super sad at a bar. He gets beat up a little bit, and then he calls Lester, and he's like, okay, I'm going to leave John Malkovich if you save or you spare Maxine. Yeah, which they don't have at that point, but obviously they're not going to say that. Yeah, so they're like, all right, do it. And he was like, okay. So he gets spit right out onto the New Jersey turnpike just in time to uh, to see Lottie and Maxine make up and get into a car. And, and make out. And make out and just ditch him there in the rain on the New Jersey turnpike. Yep. And he's just alone. With his piece of wood from the original trip. Yeah. Don't know why that's there. But uh, <laughs> so that's almost the end because then we have another time jump seven years in the future. I just had a thought, actually, mm-hmm. uh, kind of an odd thought and sort of off the rails. Probably not. 
actually anything. But that piece of wood, uh, maybe he was using it as a puppeteering tool in there. That's why eh, he could do it. It's a bit of a stretch. It is a bit of a stretch, but, I mean, why else would that even be there? Uh, because he ha- he can control the arms and the legs. I don't, know. I don't know. No one else could do it. Uh, he- Well, Lester could afterwards. I guess. Anyway, not sorry, not important. So, yeah, seven years later. Right? <sighs> yeah, seven freaking years later. <laughs> and Lester and the crew are now John Malkovich, and they're building a shrine to what's her name emily emily john right. malkovich's slash maxine maxine slash lottie's daughter child daughter yes. yeah. who is destined to become the next vessel yes who we also learn has uh craig trapped in her mind not trapped no it's definitely trapped no yeah. he goes there day after day to spend like 15 minutes are you sure yeah because he's still in love with maxine that's the idea i i think what happened was he did the thing that you're not supposed to do because think about oh it. and he just went in there yeah too late and he got absorbed he got absorbed and now he's stuck because oh. remember he's trying to make her look away but it doesn't work right so he, he doesn't have control at all yeah he doesn't have any Uh-oh. fuck what's the word <laughs> cut that out nope um uh, he he can't okay so throughout this whole movie he has trouble doing anything in the world he doesn't feel like he has any sort of impact on the world around him right Mm -hmm. and then he becomes john John malkovich Malkovich and it all comes so easily right he becomes famous and successful and all of that stuff he gets spit back out and then at the end he doesn't even have a physical form and he it literally can't make any sort of difference in the world. That felt very uh, impactful to me. Throughout a lot of this movie, I tried to think of deeper meanings that this story exists for. I, I think you shouldn't do that because you're going to come up with way too many, which well, I'm sure are supposed to exist here, but it's going to freaking mess up your mind if you do it too much. Well, well, I'll let you give your final review, and then I'll just tell you a couple of the things that I think okay but limit charlie it kaufman to a may have been going for yeah well one other note i wanted to mention during the credits there was actually a song that i thought was interesting i have no idea what they were saying or singing whatever but i did notice it was multiple voices kind of put on top of each other oh so I'm, i think it's supposed to right signify all the multiple voices now inside of john malkovich's head. head yeah good catch yeah i like it okay. and that's the end final review what do you think sum it up sum up your experience with this movie just a few parting words i'm still processing so i don't really know how to feel about this movie but i figured i'm getting some real frank vibes going on here really in terms of i don't know how to feel about this i will say i liked this better than frank that's for sure okay uh, it, it's definitely a three or above. I just can't decide where. Right. I, I, okay, with that in mind, I guess I have to give it the four then because to give it the fair review, if I can't decide, I have to put it in the middle of three to five because okay. I, I don't know where to put it. Okay. I mean, I don't want to put it there, but at the same time, I don't think it deserves a three because that is one hell of a movie. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not putting that at a five because I can't say... I enjoyed it that much. Oh, I don't know what to say about this movie other than I kind of wish I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad. Uh, okay, it's a weird... Uh, I feel dichom- like it was a really fun afternoon, <laughs> the two of us watching this movie. Well, see, it's, it's a weird dual existence because I'm glad I saw it, but I wish I hadn't. <laughs> mm. My life is different now. <laughs> That's good. That's amazing when a movie can do that. It makes you feel like... I don't know if it was in a good way, though, man. It's it's changed all your perspective on shit. Uh, I don't know if it was in a good way, per se. (laughs) Because I think it's more at the beginning of this movie, but Craig does point out there's some real heavy implications and existential stuff. Just the fact that this portal exists. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then it's essentially the what if this did happen. How would the whole world even make sense at that point yeah 
the whole well what if man? within the context of this world it's just like don't think about it yeah really though but Which, i mean they clearly don't because <laughs> but from a filmmaking perspective a lot of this really weird eccentric stuff probably does have a deeper meaning and i think that i need to watch it again to understand a lot of it you're gonna have to watch it so many times if you really want to get everything out of this but like the the office for example the seven and a half floor yeah that still doesn't make sense to me it's just a really weird uh quirky thing that he added into the movie but i feel like john or not john malkovich (laughs) malkovich 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 uh craig played by john cusack Mm -hmm. he is this like starving artist he really wants to just be able to do his puppeteering for his job he wants to be able to do his work and have people appreciate it so i think he considers himself above this office job physically Mm -hmm. which would explain why the ceilings are so low because he's above it and also he doesn't want to be confined to this cramped space but michael the overheads are so low yeah (laughs) basically the it's a physical it's literalizing how he feels about working in an office it's just cramped and your back hurts and it's artificial light and terrible i'm glad you're actually putting something to this because otherwise i would have just assumed it was a non i'm almost certain that that's what he was going for with that but also it's hilarious so i guess even if he wasn't the other thing like the whole moral of the story i was trying to like sort of fish for a meaning behind this entire movie and i kind of came up dry but i think it probably has something to do with like uh celebrities people like regular people don't appreciate celebrities for who they are just what they can sort of get out of them and live vicariously through them you know they just put themselves into them like an empty vessel like people who read those tabloids or watch keeping up with the kardashians they just watch their lives because they don't want to have to live their own that's what I got out of it. Moral of the story, folks. I will give this... It's riding high. Four um, or five, I imagine, for you. I, it's... Sorry, I, I'm still processing over here. I don't have much to say now. It's right up there with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind for me. I think it's right below that because Eternal Sunshine is a little easier to digest. It's not as weird, but the heart of it is there still. I would put this probably second... And Charlie Kaufman. No, wait, no. Adaptation is so good too. <laughs> uh, regardless, I'm hoping we get around to that. Regardless, one I'm just gonna rate all of Charlie Kaufman's movies that I'm I've gonna seen not so far. let you do that actually because we might actually get around to some of those. It's all fives across the board. Well, spoiler, Michael. <laughs> he is a is a very gifted writer, and I'll watch pretty much anything that he makes. And that's it. What about a large shit? Would you watch that? If he did it live, I mean, in front of a studio audience, if John Malkovich's head was superimposed on the shit, and it was just saying Malkovich, Malkovich over and over again, then yeah, as it plops, I, I don't know why I decided that. to go on this tangent. Just get sorry, spit right uh, out of him. I am sorry I said that. I wanted to just make a funny <laughs> so that there would be a funny somewhere in here, and I didn't do that. I'm <laughs> I did something else. Okay, this is where we go to. Uh, the mailbag? The, the mail segment. Do we have mail, Michael? Um, well, let me check Gmail. Okay, nothing from Gmail. How we about Twitter? Nothing. Twitter. Ooh, Derby, Derby Ski Free Derby's back. is back. He left a comment here that says, Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich? Malkovich, 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 hashtag Malkovich. I have a feeling he's seen this movie. <laughs> I'm going to guess that, too. Thank you, Derby, for that insightful comment. This guy likes some weird freaking movies. And you're right on top of things, dude, because we literally just watched this movie. Uh, so well, Wait, when did he post this? Mm, one day ago. Wow. So Good he timing, must man. have listened to the last episode and heard that we were going to be doing being John Malkovich for this episode. Well, I mean, yes, that ha- that is how that works, Michael. <laughs> but thank you for your... Uh, 
your comment, Derby Ski Free. We'll take that into consideration. Yes, Malkovich. Malkovich. Yeah, Malkovich. Definitely. Okay. <laughs> next, we get to pick the next movie. Or no, our... we don't. <gasps> oh, you're right. Today is the day, Michael, that uh, the audience, or not the audience, well, the listener's, the listener's choice that's the word. poll. What do we got? Well, first, what are the choices? Uh, so, our well, our actor for the next listener's choice poll for our listener's choice poll was John Malkovich, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and the movies that were the choices are Con Air, Rounders, Aragon, and Deepwater Horizon. And we do have a winner, Brian. Okay, good. Shall I give you a drum roll? Yes, please. Okay. <clears throat> and the winner is... Con Air! Oh, boy! Put oh. the bunnet back <sighs> in the box. Okay, I haven't seen this, so uh, no spoilers. Okay. Because as much as I'm hating the idea of putting this into my brain... I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> John, hey, fun fact for you. Uh, oh, John Cusack's in this movie, too. Oh, really? We got a double crossover. Oh, goody. Yeah. Uh. So come back in two weeks to hear our episode on Con Air from 1996, I believe. Wow, that long ago. Yeah. Oh. And that's the show. That is the show. Uh, you want to hit him with the socials? You always say this, and I never remember what the socials are. But let me try. Okay. <clears throat> You can reach us if you so choose at mostlymoviespod at gmail.com. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, you can also reach us at our Facebook page, which is the Mostly Movies Podcast. That is correct. And uh, our Twitter fee handle is at Mostly Movies Pod. Yeah. All right. Three I got for it. three, Brian. Yeah, nice. I'm getting better at this. All right. Hooray. Thank you for uh, listening, everybody. Yes, thank you for listening to whatever the frick this show is. We enjoy doing it. Uh, we do. I hope you enjoy listening, because right now, the only person we're sure that enjoys listening to this is Derby. Yeah. Well, actually, I guess we can't be sure of that. All we know we know for sure is that he <laughs> listens. Well, he keeps listening, so that's a good sign. I guess. Uh, thank you, Derby, again, for writing in. Continue to send us mail and tell your friends and, and rate it if there's any place where you can rate our podcast. Yeah, and We're be on honest. iTunes, right? We are on iTunes. Yeah, rate us on iTunes because that'll probably help us out in some way. Probably. And oh, don't yeah. be afraid to be very honest and tell us how much we suck. Yeah. Because we'd quite love frankly, to hear that. Yeah, we, we actually would. Any, be kind feedback, of funny. any feedback is good feedback. Yeah, tell us what we're doing wrong. Yeah. Yeah. All the negatives. I'll take any form of feedback at this point. <laughs> or just tell us what's going on in your life. Like, well, maybe don't get personal. We don't need to know that. Unless you want to. <laughs> nah, don't do that. Or make up a story. Ah, there you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, thanks, guys. Uh, we will talk to you later. Hold on. Gotta... you have any zany shit that you want to say at the end here? Like, like damn, that... Pirate bunny's got gold teeth. Pirate bunny? Yeah, the pirate bunny over there. Where? Right there. It's pirate bunny. And he's got oh, gold yeah. teeth. I, I didn't even see it. For for context, in case I leave this in, there is actually an image of a pirate rabbit over in the corner of this room with gold teeth. Yeah. Either that or just really yellow because he doesn't brush. I you legit forgot that go was there. Go to a dentist. Get get a whitening done. Drink up. Drink it right up into your lungs. I don't think that's how that works, Michael. <laughs> I am, in fact, not a fish. You aren't? No. I don't think fish have lungs. Don't hey, they? Google, <laughs> do fish have lungs? On the website dkfindout.com, they say, unlike land animals, which have lungs to take in oxygen from the air, fish have gills to breathe in the oxygen contained in water. To find out more, look for the link in your... Okay, so they don't have lungs. They don't have they, lungs. They, they just, just have gills. They just straight intake it. Okay. Yeah. That's how it works. So the the what the gills do is the water flows f past the gills, and the gills just filter the oxygen out of the water. Right, yeah. It's pretty freaking cool. But they have to breathe it out, it's right? It's dope. So is there not a in-between? Uh, or do they not breathe it out? It just 
gets directly into their bloodstream. I think when their gills, because, you know, they move like this. Yeah. It goes out. They breathe out through their gills, too. Huh. Right? Or maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, because they don't have lungs. How would they push it back out? Hey, Google. (laughs) Do fish exhale? Here's a summary from the website Quora.com. Do fish breathe out hydrogen and carbon dioxide? No, they do not exhale hydrogen, only carbon dioxide. The actual water molecules are different with the dissolved oxygen, so when they inhale water with oxygen, they exhale water with carbon dioxide. Interesting. Oh, weird. So it's just like Yeah, okay, so the water actually goes in. I thought the water stopped and just like the oxygen made it through, but I guess now in retrospect, that's stupid, and I shouldn't have thought that. Thank you That's for listening true. to the Mostly Movies podcast, where the we most, learn things. The most educational fish podcast <laughs> on the web. <laughs> uh, okay. Is that it? 